just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. So far, so good for me. And by the time most of you hear this podcast, maybe Monday or Tuesday, my wife and I will be in Las Vegas. Now, I'm not a huge gambler. I like to play slots now and again, and so does my wife. Not a huge fan of Vegas. I've been there many times, so it's not a great adventure for me. But my wife and I had always talked about doing a lot of traveling when we got to the age where we had that kind of flexibility and presumably the money. Now, this trip is an interesting trip, (laughs) almost kind of crazy, a lot of people might think, because we're leaving Monday morning and coming back Tuesday afternoon. Yep, we're only going there one day. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why the hell would anybody do that? Well, as they say, because we can. And it's a great situation. First of all, my wife and I have flexible schedules because we're both essentially retired. We have friends that live in Las Vegas, have a three-bedroom condo, and we can stay with them. So no hotel fees. And the kicker, as I've told you before, my wife works for an airline. So we can fly to Vegas, to Vegas, and back for free. So this isn't much different than calling up some friends and going out to dinner, as far as costs go. And that's kind of what's going to happen. We're going to fly down there, meet up with them, maybe have dinner with them, gamble a little bit, have some fun, get up in the morning, have a good breakfast, leave in the afternoon, and come back home. Now, I don't know if two flights in two days is going to affect my body, but it sounds kind of fun. There'll be other trips that we take, and they'll be much longer, of course, and a lot of podcasts you might hear in the not-so-distant future will be recorded someplace other than my home. But Monday, we're off to Vegas. We'll spend a day there, come on back, and we'll get back to business as usual. You know, I when I was uh, a younger man, and my wife was younger too, We had young kids, and I always liked to travel. I always thought travel was a positive thing. And so when we had young kids, we made sure we took at least one trip a year, whether we could afford it or not. And we took our kids everywhere from New York City to San Francisco to San Antonio to Florida to Savannah, Georgia to um, Denver, Colorado, all over the country. And there's a couple of reasons why we did that. It wasn't only because it was just fun, but we thought it was beneficial to our kids and the family. Now, when kids get out of high school, they lack one thing, one very important thing when they go off onto their own life, and that is life experiences. Now, they can get their life experiences going through high school and working and doing all those sorts of things, but we thought it would be nice, it would be helpful to them if they got to experience different towns, different cities, and different regions of the country. So every year, around August, when they were out of school, we would take them different places. They got to see all kinds of places, and uh, 
in addition to being a great experience for these kids, it also afforded us one thing that is absolutely invaluable. You see, when your kids get older, it's tough to get them to spend time with you, create memories with you, because they're always off doing whatever they're doing, we're working, and it's tough to bring everybody together. But on a trip, on a trip, you all get together, and you're stuck together for a week or so, and you're also exploring new areas, new situations, learning things, having fun. So when the trip is done, you've got all those memories stored up in your mind and in your heart. So if I'm sitting with my son today, and uh, I mention Boston, now he and I, my wife and my other son, have all that in common. We were there. We experienced Boston. My kids loved Boston. They learned a lot. They experienced a lot. And those memories are things that I get to keep forever. No matter what happens to me, all the way to the point where I'm on my deathbed, I have those memories of the entire family being together. And I can't tell you how valuable those things are. I mean, when we're young and we're working hard, striving to make more money and get more um, responsibility, you can't forget about the time you spend with your family. Because when it's all said and done, jobs will go by the wayside, money comes in, money goes out. None of that is something that you'll remember for the rest of your life. But those times you spent with your family on a trip or at special events, those things will stick with you forever, and those will be the things that you have in common with your kids. And for me, that was crucial. Even those years we couldn't afford it, I figured out a way to do it because I figured what we were gaining from that trip was far more valuable than the money. And in retrospect, yeah, it could have been a lot easier if I didn't spend money on this or that or the other thing. Life could have been a little bit easier. But in retrospect, I have all those things now. And the interesting thing about it is, in talking to my kids, they have the same attitude. One has kids, the other doesn't. But uh, both, I think, feel like they want to take their kids and their family on trips so they can get the same things out of it that we got out of it, the four of us. But those memories are probably the most valuable things you own. Those are the things that can never be taken away from you, and they'll be the things you hold on to your last breath. So when you get a chance to make those memories, by all means, do it. Even make a sacrifice if you have to do it, because the value is unmeasurable. So anyway, <laughs> that's a long story to tell you we're going to Las Vegas. It's just a one-day deal. It'll be a fun thing for my wife and I, and we'll go on many more trips, thankfully, because of the way things have shaken out here. So... <laughs> I got two problems here. I'm dealing with recording this on a Sunday night because I'm leaving early Monday morning. And during the weekends, there isn't a lot going on in the news, so that limits the things I can talk about. Because I generally talk about news that's happening now and try to keep you updated with what's happening. There still are a few things, so we'll get into that now and we'll talk about it and we'll see what you think. Now, when Joe Biden first got in office... You might recall there was a big push and a lot of talk about um, forgiving all the student loans. 
everybody who had student loans forgiving all of it. And uh, there was a big push on it. Now, we haven't heard about it much recently. We've heard about the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better bill, the reconciliation bill, and the student loan forgiveness isn't in either one of those bills. So I'm sure a lot of people thought, well, they forgot about it. They got busy with other stuff. They're not going to do it. Well, I'm glad to tell you that the progressive part of the Democratic Party is still pushing Joe Biden to uh, forgive $50,000 in student loans across the board. And uh, Joe feels like he can maybe do 10000 which would be good in its own right. But he's not sure he can do it at 50000 The thing about it is, is I do think something's going to happen to forgive money on those student loans. It probably won't come until after the infrastructure is done and the reconciliation bill is done, mainly because of the way Joe will probably have to do it with an executive order or something along those lines. And you don't want to do it before the infrastructure and piss or piss off people or confuse what's going on with the infrastructure. You get that deal done first, and then you deal with the student loan situation. Now, whenever I talk about this, people will inevitably say, I paid my student loans. I paid for my kids' student loans. Why should they get a free ride? Well, I'm going to tell you up front, I don't really have a dog in this race because I've had two kids go to college, and my wife and I paid for them. It's a lot of money, and it was money well spent, like those experiences and those memories we created, making sure our kids had an education was important to us, and fortunately, we were in a position to be able to do it. So if Joe Biden and the Democrats forgive a bunch of loan money, I'm not going to benefit from it personally, and that's fine. And I think that's where the problem lies here. A lot of people will think, I didn't go to college. I paid for my college. Why should you get something free? And I don't. Well, here's the deal. The thing is, you can't just think about yourself. You've got to expand your horizons. You've got to look at the big picture. With all this COVID thing and all the things that are happening with the economy and such, Our education system, our post-secondary education system, is going to change. And to be perfectly honest with you, at this point, the average kid going to college to get a a general degree or a a non-specific degree, you have to wonder now, is it valuable? Is it a good investment? I mean, you've got kids going through college and racking up bills in colleges anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $100,000, in some cases more than that. And then these kids go to class, they do what they're supposed to do, they get their degree, and they head out in the world, and what do they get? A job for $30,000. So now you've got a bunch of kids that are deeply in debt, don't make a lot of money, Most of their discretionary money goes to pay off their loans. You've basically taken a whole generation and put them in an economic slavery situation. 
it's going to be impossible for them to rise above it. You're making thirty or forty thousand dollars a year, but you owe eighty thousand dollars in school loans. You can't file bankruptcy because it doesn't get affected by bankruptcy. So these kids are behind the eight ball from the beginning. Now, even though you may have paid off your student loans like we did, even though you maybe didn't go to college, you won't get the savings if they forgive these student loans. I get that. I won't get them. But you do have to look at the big picture. You have to look at how the country is going to run in in the future. Imagine this. You've got these millennials. They're making decent wages, but they got this huge debt hanging over their head. And it's not benefiting them. You're not getting full value for the money you spent on education in terms of the return you're getting on your income. Now, you're probably wondering to yourself, well, what does that matter to me? Well, it matters a lot to you. And here's why. If you've got a whole generation that's deep in debt and can't afford anything, who's going to buy your fucking houses? These kids may not even be able to qualify for a house because they've got so much debt. Now, if these millennials aren't buying houses and they're the future of this country, what happens to the economy? What happens to the housing market? That that goes to shit. So as much as you maybe won't benefit from this student loan forgiveness thing, If they do it, if they forgive the loans, take the burden off of all of these kids, you're going to suffer for it in the long run. These kids aren't going to be able to buy new cars. They aren't going to be able to buy products. And let's be perfectly honest, the best way to have a healthy economy is if people are buying a lot of stuff. If you take these kids out of college, bury them in debt, give them okay-paying jobs, they are going to be big consumers. And in a, in, in a uh, capitalism situation, you need consumers. All these electric cars coming out, all these big houses, all these investments in new businesses, these kids aren't going to be able to do it because they are buried in debt. Now, if you're an investor... And I told you that, look, you give me $100,000, and then I'll give you a job making $35,000 a year. Now, if you paid every bit of the money you earned for three years, you could pay that back. But you can't do that. you got to live. you got to survive. So then you get a low interest rate, which is typically what you'll get in those situations. And now you hook up to a loan that's 20 years long. You're 23 years old, and you're not going to be out from under this school loan until you're in your mid-40s, at best. These are prime earning years for folks, and those people should be in a position to spend money, because if they aren't, the economy will take a hit. The housing market will take a hit. The new car business will take a hit. The used car business will take a hit. Not to mention the fact that these people will struggle their entire lives because they've been shackled with this debt. And what they got from it really wasn't worth it in the long run. I mean, that's what we've got to think about here. 
we've got to think about, is college a good investment? Now, I paid for my kids to go to college, and it was a good investment in the sense they aren't shackled with the debt, and they've got some education to further their lives as they go through their lives. So, and that's, and that's really why we did that. I've always said, you know, some people have said to me, you know, you, you spoil your kids. And, and, and maybe that's true, but, but the fact of the matter is they're appreciative of it and they're respectful of it to us, so I don't have a problem doing it. But as a parent, I think it's our responsibility to give them the best possible platform to jump off of to make sure their lives are better, their children's lives are better. And if that costs me a few bucks now to make sure my my sons and my grandchildren are better off in the future, you bet your fucking ass I'm doing that. Who wouldn't if you had that opportunity? The unfortunate thing is everybody's thinking, what do I get? Why don't I get this? How come they get this and I don't get this? You got to think bigger than that. This world is far bigger than your personal needs or personal benefits. And if you don't think beyond that, it's going to affect you in the long run ultimately. So the point of this is, is that the progressive Democrats are still pushing Joe Biden to do this. Now, I don't know if it'll be $50,000 or $10,000 or somewhere in between. But it's got to be done to a certain extent. Like the medical business, the education business has gotten out of control. I mean, I went to college in the late 70s, and I owed money when it was done, but it was not that hard to pay back because it wasn't that much money. Now it's outrageous. The idea that in 1979, when I went to college, that I was going to have a $100,000 bill was fucking crazy. If I knew that, I would have never done it. As it was, I only went a year. But that wasn't about money. It was about my own personal irresponsibility. But my wife went to college. She got her master's degree, and it's all paid off. But it was done in a time when things weren't going crazy with our education and the cost of it. This whole thing has to be revamped. And one of the best things that's in that reconciliation bill, this Build Back Better, is the idea that uh, kids would be allowed to go to community colleges for two years for free. That in itself would cut any future kids going to college um, ultimate bills by a lot. You know, there were a lot of kids when I was growing up and a lot of kids when my kids were growing up that did just that. They went to community colleges because it was cheaper, and then they transferred to the bigger college they want to graduate from, and now they only have two years of the big expenditures in the big colleges. They get their degree, and it's, it's great. Now, a lot of kids don't want to do that. They say, I want to go to Purdue. I want to go to Stanford, and then they go. I mean, one of the most interesting situations I saw, there was this young girl that went to school with my son. Very smart lady. Um, Just a a great girl. And she went to a very expensive private college to go and do criminal whatever. 
After she finished that, spent all kinds of money. Unfortunately, Grandpa had a lot of money and he paid for it. But after she did that, she decided, you know, I don't want to do this. I'd rather be on the streets. I'd rather be a cop. So what she have to do? She goes back to a community college, gets another smaller degree so she can become a cop. And that's what she did. She became a cop. Now, all that education isn't going to hurt her, but she didn't need to spend all that money to get where she ultimately ended up being. When you're 18 years old or 19 years old, I'll tell you this. There's a 99% chance you don't know what the fuck you're going to do. So to invest that kind of money in your future when you're not even sure if it's a good choice or if it's the best choice for you is crazy. Why would you do that? So if in this new Build Back Better bill, we can get kids two years of community college for free, that would be a good point for them to go at it, think about it, and then point their career where they want to go after two years being spent in college. The college system, the way it is now, has to change. It's far too expensive for the benefits you get. It is. And there's a bunch of people out there now that are buried in debt because of the college they've taken. It's no fault of theirs. They had no real choices. College costs what it costs. And if they wanted to go to college, in fact, they they, they were told they had to go to college if they wanted to make something of themselves. So they go to college. But as I say, you send them out of college and they're under this heavy load, this debt load that's ridiculous. It doesn't bode well for the future of this country, the economy of this country. So when it comes out that Joe Biden wants to cut or forgive a certain amount of money for these student loans, don't whine and cry that I didn't get it, my kids didn't get it, I didn't go to college, I didn't need it. What do I get if they get that? You know what you get? You get a better future in this country. You get a better economy. You get a better price for your house, your cars, whatever the fuck you're selling. That's what you get. And if you can't see the big picture... I don't know what to tell you. There is more to it than what do I get. And that's the problem in this country. That's how most people think. And if you think like that, you're ultimately going to lose. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, coming up on Tuesday, the House Select Committee is going to, I think, vote amongst the committee as to whether or not to send uh, or refer Steve Bannon to the DOJ for criminal contempt. We know that the subpoenas went out. We know that Steve Bannon said, I'm not going because I have executive privilege, even though that's absolutely ridiculous. Donald Trump isn't president. He can't assert executive privilege. Steve Bannon left the White House in 2017. This whole issue has to do with January 6th on 2021. He doesn't qualify for executive privilege in any way, shape, or form. 
but this is Steve Bannon. You know, let's 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 take it to court and let's run out the clock and try to do all these things. Well, on Tuesday, what's going to happen is the House Select Committee is going to vote first to refer Steve Bannon to the DOJ. But before it goes there, it has to then go to the full House. Then they vote on it, and then they send it over to the DOJ. Now, since the House is a Democratic majority, it should pass without a problem. And this is absolutely crucial that they do this. There have been a lot of things that happened in this country in the last year or so, and somebody has to be accountable. Otherwise, we risk having it happen again. But here's the point in question. We send this over to the DOJ, the U.S. Attorney, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, and the DOJ. We're already hearing rumblings from Merrick Garland, and i got to be honest with you, I was a big fan of Merrick Garland, but I'm starting to get a little disappointed. Merrick Garland has some trepidations about charging or trying these people because he's, going, he's afraid that it's going to look like a political move, like retribution to the Republicans. Come on, Merrick. Stop playing fucking politics here. He said it. A lot of people have said it. Nobody is above the law. And if you break the law, you need to pay the consequences, regardless of what time of the year or what election is coming up or who's a Republican or who's a Democrat. Because if you truly mean that no one is above the law, nothing should matter than somebody breaking the law. Now, going over to the DOJ in terms of Steve Bannon doesn't really even involve January 6th and the insurrection. This referral would be strictly for saying, okay, we subpoenaed Steve Bannon, and he refused to come. That's all that has to be considered. And we know this is all true. We know he was sent a subpoena or served a subpoena, and we know that he announced, hey, I'm not coming. That right there is criminal contempt. There's no question about it. There's no political aspect about this. It's pretty clear-cut. So I'm concerned about what's going to happen in the DOJ. I'm concerned with a lot of things in the DOJ. Merrick Garland seems to be shuffling when he should be high-stepping and taking care of business. I'm concerned with the fact that he still has Trump appointees in the fucking DOJ. Why is that? Now, can't he fire people? Can't he replace people? I assume he can. He's the boss. He's the goddamn attorney general. But he hasn't done it as yet. He also hasn't been too aggressive with some of the things we need to address. I mean, remember what happened when uh, when they were going to refer this, this rape charge. Not a rape charge, but a... Um, a claim that Donald Trump lied about somebody's slander or or whatever, this Carol Jean whatever. This is the woman that was in New York City, claimed she was raped by Donald Trump, and Donald Trump made some ridiculous comments about her. So she wanted to sue him for defamation of character. Now, whenever you sue a president 
the DOJ then decides, should it go forward or shouldn't it go forward? Her name was E. Jean Carroll, just remembered. And so when it first went to the DOJ, the DOJ and Merrick Garland came out and said, yeah, we're not going to address this. Well, why the fuck not, Merrick? Donald Trump's not president anymore. He obviously committed a crime because it's on videotape. Why can't she sue? Well, for some reason, he didn't do anything with it. Later, Eugene Carroll is now able to get it through another court. Um, Donald Trump is going to have to provide DNA because she has DNA on a dress or something. But the point of it is, is I'm watching Merrick Garland, who I thought would be a great attorney general, and I have questions now about that. He seems to not want to go after things because he's afraid. Well, here's the thing. These are extraordinary times. The things that occurred are extraordinary. It's not like these happen all the time. So it tells us that we should maybe take extraordinary actions. We can't take what happened in history and compare it to what's going on now. You tell us that nobody's above the law, but you're reticent to actually do something. That's got to stop. I always tell people I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I rip apart the Republicans because they're horrific. I kind of support the Democrats because they're the one people that can put them in their place. But trust me, when I see things going on with Democrats that I have a problem with, I'm going to speak out about it because it's not about Democrats versus Republicans or Republicans versus Democrats. It's about those sons of bitches against us. When it comes down to that, it's what we are getting in their service to us, what this country is benefiting. And I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican, if they're not doing their job or they're being, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? If they're being uh, sketchy about it, I'm going to bitch about it. I don't care if it's Joe Biden himself. Now, I did some TikToks recently. And I was talking about the fear factor or the decency factor that uh, the Democrats uh, consistently play off of. I've said before many times, the Republican Party are a bunch of bullies. They're bullies. And the Democratic Party was always acting like, well, we're better than that. We're, We're decent people. We'll turn the cheek. The unfortunate situation is, is, good a stance as that is for the Democrats, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. These guys bully the Democrats. They try to be the better people. They get run over. They lose. This has happened over and over again, over decades. You would think at some point they'd say to themselves, you know, this isn't working. Maybe we should try something different. Now, the only thing I know about bullies are my personal experience in the schoolyard back in my school days. And like everybody, I had my moments when I got bullied for whatever reason. I'm the youngest one in the school. The older kids would bully you, and I've had those situations before. And because I was afraid or because I didn't think I could do anything, I kind of took it for a while. But you know what happened when I just took it? It kept happening. It kept happening. 
And eventually my father told me, he said, look, you got to face this up. The only way you're going to stop this is return the favor. And I always wondered, why is it that they tell you to turn the other cheek, take the high road, but it never works? Well, it's because people don't want other people fighting. I get that. They don't want kids fighting. I get that too. But unfortunately, that higher road, that strategy, is something that bullies don't comprehend. They don't understand that strategy at all. So they don't respond to that strategy. They aren't guilty about what they do. All they know is you're an easy mark and they're going to roll over the top of you. And that's what the Republicans have done to the Democrats year after year after year. So at some point, in order to stop these bullies, in my experience in the schoolyard, you got to stand up to them. You got to give them exactly what they're giving back. That's not the high road. But you want a result here. You want to stop this. So you have to do what you have to do. You have to fight fire with fire. And I said this on TikTok. I was waiting for some kind of uh, negative response. And I said, well, I mean, if it, even if it comes down to slapping them in the mouth, figuratively, figuratively speaking, then you do that. Because the Democrats are in a very frightening situation. They are not only fighting back against a bully, not only fighting for themselves and fighting for the Democratic Party. This is a fight for our country, for our way of government, for our democracy. If these people don't step up and push back and overtake these Republican bullies, we're all in a lot of trouble. This is a time when we need a hero. And whether I like Democrats or not doesn't make a difference. They are the ones in the position to be the heroes. But heroes aren't weak. They aren't afraid. They don't always take the high road. They do what they have to do to vanquish the bully. And I'm afraid that's what we have to do in this situation. Whether it be insurrectionists coming toward the U.S. Capitol or Republicans in Congress. We've got to get just as tough with them as they are with the Democrats. Because if we don't, they won't understand it. They won't respect it. You've got to really put them down. And when I say put them down, I'm not talking about killing anybody. Just put them down. And here's the one thing I learned about bullies when I was young in the schoolyard (laughs) or in school, wherever this stuff happened. Bullies don't like to fight anybody they, they're not sure if they can beat. They will only go after those people that they're sure they can run over, like the Republicans and the Democrat. Even if you don't like the fight, even if you don't want to fight, a lot of times it only takes one fight. Once you step up, fight back, do whatever you have to do to push these people down and back, that may be enough to never have to do it again. You see, these bullies are cowards. The Republicans are cowards. And they are ridiculous in the claims they make and the people they follow. But once you show some strength and some fortitude, the next time it comes around, they're going to think twice about fighting with you because now you're an unknown commodity. You're not easy to run over. And they're not going to wade into something that they think they might lose or get their ass kicked. 
So you make that stand one time, and that really is what helped me through school. I got in one, maybe two fights, and I won them. And after that, nobody really bothered me anymore because they thought, well, I could wade into this and I could get beat. The same goes for the Democrats and the Republicans. The one time the Democrats fight back, fight fire with fire, slap them in the mouth, these people are going to think twice about the next time they do it. That's why it's very crucial that at this time, now, that we need the Democrats to be strong. We need all of us to be strong. Fight them just like they're going to fight us. It doesn't sound pretty. It doesn't sound Christian. But it works. And if we have to do this one time to stop it forever, it's a risk well taken. Now, when I talk about the weakness of Democrats and the weakness of the government against the Republicans, Democrats, Joe Biden, whatever, against the Republicans. Most people understand what I'm saying, and most people agree with me, because they want to see somebody strong supporting their interest so that we have some sort of chance of actually accomplishing what we want to accomplish. But I will get some people that will get angry with me, and I did on TikTok, and they'll say, I think Joe Biden's doing a great job. You shouldn't talk badly about Joe Biden. Well, clearly you weren't listening to what I said. I didn't say Joe Biden was doing a bad job. I didn't say that Joe Biden was doing a perfect job either because he's not. There are a few things I would change in what he's doing. But he's our president and we have to live with what we have to live with. And I think given the circumstance, Joe Biden is probably the best person for the position right now. Four years from now, don't know. But right now... Joe Biden is the right guy. But when I talk about the weakness of Democrats, the Democrats that allow themselves to get bullied, I'm not speaking badly of Joe Biden. I'm speaking badly of Congress, the Senate, and the House. Because this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. And you would hope, after getting beaten time after time, that you'd want to change it up a little, do it differently. I'm all for what Joe Biden's doing. I think he's got the right ideas, and he's trying to push forward with it. But we've got Congress now dealing with big bills coming to pass. And these bills will do pretty amazing things for this country. It'll improve the economy. It'll improve the lifestyle of almost every middle-class person and lower-income person in this country. It's about time something is done like that. I've said this before. I'll say it again. These two bills are as important and will have as big an impact as the New Deal did with FDR. And it hasn't been since FDR that anything like this has ever been attempted. So for Joe Biden to do this, I think this is a great thing. But the unfortunate thing about it with the Democrats They know the Republicans are not going to participate. They're not going to vote for this thing. Okay, cool. We'll pass it under reconciliation. Democrats told us that they were going to take care of this for us. We just vote them in, and they'll fix all the things the Republican did to damage this country. But what do we got now? We got the Democrats fighting with themselves. 
They're not even fighting with the Republicans. They're fighting within their own party. It's Manchin and Cinema, but they're not the only ones. Everybody's kicking back about different things in this infrastructure bill. If we could just get 51 Democratic votes, these bills would get done and it'd be over. And we can't blame the Republicans at this point because it is the Democrats. So we've got the progressives and we've got the moderates. And they're fighting against each other to provide we the people the services and the assistance we need and that are vital for the future of this country. Now what kind of shit is that? This Democratic Party is split up and we know that. But let's look at the facts. Joe Biden is siding with the progressive side about helping people. The progressives are siding with trying to help the people. The vast majority of the public, like 75% of the people, think those bills are important and want to see them pass. But we got two Democrats that don't want it to pass, or either that or want to use it for leverage to get something they want. And that's exactly what Joe Manchin did. Joe Manchin wants all the climate money, the climate change money, out of the bill. He wants to take this electric program out of the bill. Now, why in the world would he want to do that? Clearly, climate change is a thing in this country, and it's doing some heavy damage. Why would Joe Biden want to do that? Well, I'll tell you. He's from West Virginia. Joe Manchin gets more money from big oil than anybody. He also gets big money from the coal industry, which is very strong in West Virginia. So he's not thinking about the country or the ecology of this country. He's thinking about doing favors for his buddies and putting money in his pocket so he can buy a $700,000 fucking boat and put it on the Potomac. That's what he cares about. And he's choosing that over helping the people of this country. That has to be noted. That has to be addressed. And it has to be exposed for what it is. See, the Democrats don't have to just fight against the Republicans. They have to fight against these two moderate Democrats in order to accomplish something. And this thing's been stalled for a long time. Somehow I think it will get done. But we're playing all these games, wasting all this time, holding back the help from people that need it, just because these fuckheads want to play politics. Joe Biden could get tough with Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. So could the Democratic Party. But they haven't. They didn't. And they won't. The alternative option is nothing gets passed, nothing gets done for the people. And that seems to be status quo for our government for decades. The rich people get their money. Defense Department gets their money. But when it comes to us, they can't afford it. And they're in no rush to give it to us. That shit's got to change. So when I talk about bullies and standing up and fighting back, I'm not just talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about the people of this country. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, there is things we should expect from our government. I mean, Joe Banchin is fighting against this bill. No other state in the Union could use these bills more than his state. But he's risking that help for the people of his state 
for his own benefit. And that's fucked up. These people have to be dealt with strongly. They have to be made to do the right thing. Because as long as they have a freedom to do what they need to do, they're going to keep benefiting and enriching themselves. The important thing, and I talked about this in another podcast, we get these bills passed, even if we have to strip out the climate change. And the reason we have to do that is because if nothing gets passed, the Democrats are going to take a beating now and in 2022. And if that happens, the Republicans take over, then nothing ever will get done. So you need to pass the two bills now, even if you have to strip the climate change out and get it passed. Then all of a sudden, a lot of good things happen in this country, and that benefits the Democrats and benefits them in the 2022 election. And hopefully, by benefiting them in the 2022 election, that'll give them more people in the Senate and in the House and give them a wider majority. And then when they have that wider majority, now they can start shoving shit down the Republicans' throat, doing what they want to do, telling Manchin to fuck himself because he's not important anymore. That should be the goal of this country. The Democrats have to get something accomplished no matter what they have to do to get it done because they need the power in 2022 to get the rest of their agenda passed through. But if they do nothing, the Republicans take over, nothing happens for this country, we're fucked. It's a big game. It's a long game. Hopefully Joe Biden understands this. Hopefully Congress understands this. Hopefully the progressives understand this. It's a simple concept. And it goes back to what I was saying before about colleges and tuition and stuff. You got all these people saying, well, I didn't get a free ride. These people are getting a free ride. The progressives and the Democrats and Joe Biden and Joe Manchin have to think the same thing. It's not about what you get. It's not about your ego. It's about what's good for the country, and it's about what's good for the future. That is why you are in those positions. So do your fucking job, and don't worry about yourself so much. Joe? Mansion, you got a $700,000 boat. You can't be doing too badly. How much fucking more do you need? Now it's time the country is benefiting from what our government takes from us and does every year. All right. It's late on a Sunday. I got to go to bed, be up by 3 o'clock, get on a plane at like 6 o'clock, and go to Vegas. I'll let you know how it goes out there. should be a fun trip. It should be good. We'll be watching what's happening this week. I'll be back Tuesday, so I'll be back with you shortly. Don't worry about that. So you have yourself a good night, a good day, a good week, and I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.